Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yeah, the first technique I learned was a punch. What's up, everyone? This is Karate Cam. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Punch. Today's guest is someone I've known for over a decade and who has helped me grow within the whole world of karate for many years and is somebody I appreciate tremendously. Coach Brody Burns is the current U.S. National Team Kumite head coach who has an extended resume within the world of coaching. Alongside being the coach for both the junior and senior national team, Coach Burns has led many athletes to achieve success on the largest stages from Pan American Champions to Pan American Games Champions alongside Karate One and Top 10 Ranked Fighters. Now kick back for this match hat where Coach Burns and myself cover what makes up both a great karate coach and support system for athletes and practitioners everywhere. Enjoy everyone. What up, everybody? We made it to episode four of None Other Than Believe in the Punch podcast. I'm here with, I call him Sensei, but this is Coach Burns now as, as head coach of the national team. How are you, Coach? How's it going? Good. Thanks, Cam. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I, thanks for coming on. I, you know, um, I always have a little bit of like an intro with whoever I talk to, but, but Sensei, I, I, I call him Sensei Burns. Sensei Burns is, I, I've known him forever. I was going, to Texas camps over the summer before it became the fad, you know, <laughs> back in, we're talking like we're over, over 10 years ago when I was coming yeah. down and we were training. And since then, so it's been cool to not only grow into an athlete that he coaches, but just building a relationship off the mat and all the great things that you have to add. So thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I knew you before you were a superstar oh. and a, you know, world university champ and a Pan Am games champ. So yeah. I know you're back, back, you're back a young kid. Back in the Afro days. That's what, that's what it was. I have in my car getting speeding tickets. I remember. I, that. That's, you know, that, that'll be <laughs> the fact that that happened will be next episode. We're talking about, we're talking about me getting speeding tickets in, yeah. in coaches' cars next episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, well, well, let's go ahead and get it started with, um, I think everybody has their own way of getting into karate. Karate is like, one of the sports activities that's not the the flow or like the average thing that kids, I, I say people in general in the U.S. get into. So how, how did you get into it? Yeah, you know, I mean, actually, I started uh, kind of late comparatively, especially to people like you and Tom Scott and those guys. I, I started when I was uh, 18. So I always thought fighting was stupid and kind of like, oh, you couldn't talk your way out of it and all that. And I considered myself a, a good talker. And then one day I was at a park with my best friend and our girlfriends and we were hanging out and it was probably 1030 at night when two carloads of people that I did not know drove up and jumped us, beat the crap out of me and my buddy as we were making it to the car. And we fortunately sent the girls running to the car and we tried to fight our way to the car, but we were grossly outnumbered. Uh, you know, there was probably uh, six to 150 you know people uh, I'll just exaggerate the numbers but it was certainly enough to make us outnumbered and um, we 
basically fought our way to the cars, got in the cars, raced to the police station. These people chased us there, drove past us at the police station. But at that point, I realized, wow, I don't ever want to feel that helpless again, you know, where I didn't know really what to do. Um, and so I enrolled in a self-defense class that ultimately was a karate class that ultimately led to, you know, 30 years later of, you know, being a karate. So. Well, well, I actually, I never, I never knew that story to begin with, but did, did, is it, was it most like a very random thing or did, did you know people in that group or? Yeah. Right. I mean, you're like, what, how did that, why would that happen in such a cool? Yeah. It's like just straight turns into an action movie right there. It was, believe it or not, like uh, high school rivalries. I was in East Plano. Uh, although I lived in West Plano, I went to East Plano high school and uh the west plano high school so they were football guys uh and you know mistaking me and my buddy and uh for football guys and uh decided they were just gonna be tough those guys actually though and let that be a lesson to you youngsters uh they got prosecuted because they beat my friend up really pretty bad like they got prosecuted and That'll be on their record and wow. shame on them. You know, 30 years later, I sure hope that they're still paying for that. <laughs> but yeah, shoved. Uh, so we were sitting on, on stumps. And as soon as these guys came up, uh, we both you know, said to our girlfriends, go to the car. And um, the first guy walks up and slaps the fire out of my friend sitting on this stump uh the stump fence and i go to get up and he shoves me back over the stump and that was it I went downhill from there then it was getting up and just trying to punch your way to the car i, I didn't suffer too many injuries or anything wow. like that but my my friend sure i mean he was he beat the fire so that was not good but especially knowing that i wanted to be wow. in law enforcement no, and I all mean, that stuff <laughs> i just was like okay i did i didn't i didn't know what to do to handle the odds like that and so nowadays boy It'd be wow, totally different, especially since like 50, 50 to one. Yeah, <laughs> we're more prepared all around. <laughs> prepared all around. Well, what like what essentially introduced you to karate? Then why not go to jujitsu or all these other uh, other combat sports? Yeah, yeah, because I I started in a self defense class, thinking that was the most appropriate. Well, it was actually a karate class. This person walks in in a karate uniform, black. And I'm like, oh, great. What is this? And it ended up, I stuck it out for a, a semester of college. And then I enrolled in karate in the dojo and I was hooked. I ended up buying that very dojo and teaching that very class uh, years later. So you started at the dojo that you are at now. Yeah, then I... Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So then, so you, I was about, that was going to, what I was going to ask next was, did you go straight into the the realm of WIKF or, or not? And then there you go. So you, you started with the self-defense class at, at, at a karate school. That's pretty, uh, at, that's pretty at a community cool. college. So it was at. Oh, I college. see. I see. But it was run by, they hired a karate teacher to come in and run it and teach credit courses and stuff like that. And um, so as, when I finished the class, I was like, Ooh, this is cool. And I, and went over to the dojo uh, that she owned. And then, um, then, yeah, it was a Watto offshoot type organization. And then later on, we became affiliated with, you know, Suzuki, the main guy. So, 
and that's when WIKF came into the picture and all that cool stuff. Right. Well, well, what sold it for you then though? Like, so you came to the dojo and all those things, but like, so like, I see you starting and then I see you owning the whole and running the whole show, but what I essentially hooked you on to, to doing karate for so long? You know, I honestly, Cam, it's been like these phases, like in the beginning, it was self-defense. I loved it. I love Wado karate. Wado is so applicable. It's got throws, locks, everything that I wanted as a cop, you know, and I, and it, I could see that it was going to last for a long time. Then, um, you know, once I kind of moved through that and was like, okay, you know, not as much into the locking and throws and all of that stuff, it became more of, okay, well, I'm going to be a, a karate sensei and I'm going to get serious about developing students and all that stuff and got into that. And then somewhere along the line, it became, hey, now I've got some serious athletes and I want to get into coaching. And so it's just, it's, I think it's changed for me over the time, honestly, probably like you, when you got into it, it was just fun. And <laughs> yeah, I wanted to become a power ranger. That was the fact. <laughs> yeah, and, and then as soon as, as soon as I failed my first backflip, I knew that was going downhill. <laughs> but wow. I mean, I, I, I didn't know that like for after knowing you for so long, I'm kind of like happily surprised that I, like, how you, I didn't even know how you started in the first place. You know, that's, that's pretty interesting, but I mean, like, like I know your outside life, outside of karate life, but I think for a lot of listeners, they don't know when. So you're you got into law enforcement, and to this day, you're maintaining your law enforcement job outside of being a sensei as well, correct? Right. So I was in uh, local law enforcement for 12 years, and now federal law enforcement for 13 years. Wow. So yeah. And and like, what was the progression? I guess so. Like you 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 started doing martial arts and all those things, but you knew at that time you already wanted to go into law enforcement, and then. When did like, so I guess like, where did the balance come through, you know, because running is you're running two full-time jobs at that point, you know, and, and something that I've always wondered, you know, yeah, I'd say my boss is probably one of the same thing. <laughs> uh, where it is balance yeah. Brody, but um, you know, I was one of those kids that always knew what they wanted to be. I mean, police cars would race by and I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do mostly because I was nosy and wanted to know where they were going, but I, I always knew. So so yeah, when I started college, I had my, my plan and all that stuff. And so uh, while I was getting my degree, I was training in karate, you know? So I, I got my, my black belt and my bachelor's degree about the same time. It took me a little bit longer for my black belt. So went right into law enforcement there and then uh, was on the streets for six years, was a detective for six years, and then uh, was fed, have been a federal agent since. So, um, but as far as managing, I've I've never had much of a. Hmm, I love it, you know. I love the karate stuff, so it fills all my time. You know, I I I, I don't watch a lot of Netflix. I rare, you know, other than what Tom said about playing Call of Duty, uh, I rarely have I rarely have time, and I don't. It's not that I wish I did. I, I, I love my time being filled with, I'm either working or I'm working. So yeah, it's nonstop at that point. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. Actually, I surround myself with good people. I've got a good coaching staff. I've got, I've got great uh, people that run the karate school. I mean, I, fortunately, fortunately, I don't have to do a hundred percent of everything. I have a good group that helps with all that. So. Right. Right. And I think that actually goes back to something we talked about 
in my first episode about karate having such a family oriented background and like it's a very intense or not intense but like solid support system you know on all levels and and, and finding that and using that to help aid with the balance because everybody wa- has the goal of maintaining the dojo right like everybody wants to keep coming all at least all the people that can you know have been there for for years and and they want to maintain that so it, it it works out for the best but you know use i want to keep like picking your brain now because now you're a full-time coach and also working on the, you know the federal level is there are there like any things that you enjoy about coaching that you can cross over to or, or like i guess enjoy on the detect you know the cop level as well uh you know coaches like to be like to have plans you know and i and i, w- I was thinking about that when you approached me about this stuff in the beginning uh you know why I'm a little bit of a different coach than most, right? Our, our national team, our national coaching staff is full of former great athletes. I think I was one of the first coaches to be on there that that wasn't this superstar athlete. You know, I, I had to study to be a good coach. And to me, that is very much like being a uh, an investigator. You got to figure it out. You know, it, it doesn't, doesn't come easy. I have to, I have to study. I got to piece things together. So, and I like doing that. I like, okay, you know, in, in this case, the, the bad guy might be a, you know, minus 84 from Columbia um, that I got to figure out and, and, and solve the problem. And I think that's, that's how it crosses over. I'm, I'm, I'm a thinker. I like to figure stuff out as a coach and as a investigator. Yeah. Well, is there anything in particular that you're trying to figure out? Like, I would say like for, for every single practice, is there like any go-to thing that you're always trying to figure out? Or is it like this long-term plan that you've already created essentially? Mm. I don't have like this master plan that I'm building each step on. I mean, uh, and again, I'll go back to what I think coaches should do. They should study. And so the sport has changed. There's no doubt about it. And so if, if, if I'm coaching you, uh, versus coaching Brian Nur or Tom Scott or Brian Hilliard, you know, those you're, you're different and, and we should know your, who your opponents are and what they do across the sport. Um, so, so sometimes it's all the same. Sometimes it's geographical. Sometimes it's what we need to do as Americans, as the U S team, where we're deficient and, and how we're different from other teams. So yeah, and I, that's I was I, I was gonna comment on that in the sense that I was gonna ask you what makes up you know uh, uh, the best coach, and through not only my studies of my own degrees and such, like I, I think I think similarly as an athlete to where, and I think that's one reason why we mesh so well. It's like I'm always troubleshooting, you know, I'm always trying to figure out what to change, what to adjust, both within my own competition, but also in training and then teaching others as well, you know. Um, I'm like all for adapting and studying. Uh, do you study like, cause here, let me backtrack. I think a lot of coaches go off of, like you said, cause they're athletes and all these things. They were athletes. Do they go off, they go off of how they were trained and up, you know, their, their upbringings. Do you think, I should say, what do you think the balance is between past and future and like coming up with new forms of training is? Well, like I said, I, I'm fortunate. I don't have to play the strength and conditioning coach uh, and the skills coach and the technician or, and the strategician. I My job is to simply coach. So my job is to develop 
strategies and tactics that my athletes can develop or, you know, implement into the ring. We have a strength and conditioning coach and he handles making sure that you can implement the strategy, you know, uh, the skills that we work on. And that, that's, I've said this uh, at U S team practices before is that we spend entirely too long in our, you know, competition practices working on conditioning and, and basic skills when we should be studying strategies and, and those tactics to implement those strategies. Um, you know, so yes, I think there is a change coming along, uh, that coaches have to do now because the fighters are smarter than they used to be. No offense to the former fighters, but the athletes are almost all college educated now. I mean, you look at our U S team, heck half of them have master's degrees. Uh, and that's not, uh, the, the athletes are playing the sport longer. So they're, they're wiser and, and you don't get to go out to just, you know, for plop down in a chair and say, okay, I want you to go out, throw Kiyakuzuki Mawashigeti. You're going to score on that guy. You know, your, your fighter's going to look at you and go, no, I need, need something a little more than that, you know? And so that's, that's where I think the coaches are going to have to really, you know, give more than that, more strategy, more thought, if that makes sense. For sure. And I, I mean, just going off of that, because I, I want to pick your brain in this area, like how do you implement the fact of explaining or focusing on strategy when it comes to different athletes as well? Cause everybody receives it a little bit differently. And like, I know, I know you have the, you have, you've studied all of us to the point where you know what our, like our go-tos are or how we, how we think about things, but how do you go about like taking that idea of strategy and like manipulating it from athlete to athlete? You know, and this has been a hard thing for like the, like the junior team. Cause you just don't get to know them well enough. Sure. But like really talking to the athlete, you know, if I were to go out and, and push the wrong buttons with you, it wouldn't work. You have to, I have to talk to you and be like, Hey, well, this guy is from this area. And we know this about this guy. Cause we've studied this and, and what do you think about doing there you know what do you think about um drawing him out or or being aggressive and pushing him to the corner if you're saying no i don't i don't want to be aggressive and i can tell you hey that guy does not fight well in the corner you know historically and you do but if you're not feeling that then uh you know i'm not going to get to convince you of that uh in a couple of minutes before we go to the tatami so i really think it's about talking and getting to to really hear what the athlete things and sometimes the athletes are wrong there's no doubt i mean the athlete uh doesn't always know exactly what the best strategy is but if i if i can get an idea and then maybe convince them otherwise so yeah for, i think like going off of that like the athlete is in a very stressful situation in there you know like when they're just trying to think about performance right and then taking that a step back and saying hey try and look at it from a you know, a bird's eye view and what the other person is going to do, you know, it, it's hard to, to essentially take it back a notch, you know, and, but like going back to what you just mentioned, I think that's a tough thing that we as U.S. karate athletes have a challenge with is the fact that um, we don't see each other that often, you know, mm -hmm. like the coaches and the athletes just don't see each other that often and, and the ability to just communicate is something that's been a theme throughout all of my podcast episode so far and and it seems to be says something that everybody enjoys and everybody benefits from you know um what what would you go about like how would you 
and I know we're going off on a little tangent here, but like, how would you implement those same things or how do you maximize those things knowing that we all live so far away and don't see each other as much? Well, and again, I think the fact that the senior team is so different than the junior team, there's not a lot of turnover on our senior team uh, historically. And so uh, getting to know all you guys for years helps, you know, it, it like talking to you now, it's, doesn't seem like, oh, uh, hey, Cam, you know, it feels normal and natural. So when we get into a stressful situation, when we're at the next tournament, uh, it, it'll be that way again. And so, uh, you know, being familiar with the guys, I, I honestly try. And it's one of the reasons I'm on social media is because I want to be able to stay connected to what's going on in everybody's life. So you, I mean, you really have to make an effort to have a relationship with, with the athlete uh, so that there's comfort. The number one thing in coaching, number one thing in coaching is trust. Yeah. If the athlete does not trust that the coach is there for their best interest, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You could be the best coach out there, but if that athlete thinks that you are not there for them, it doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah. you have to show that. And, and I think that's, you know, an, you have to make an effort to do that. Yeah. Sure. You know, I can think I got all the plans and I usually do, but uh, <laughs> master tactician, that's it. Right but there. <laughs> if you guys don't believe me, you know, I mean, we have coaches on our, our, our coaching staff that I think are phenomenal, much, much better readers than I am that can watch a match and be like, okay, that guy is going to throw his left hand every time when he's, you know, in the corner. Uh, it takes me a lot longer to figure that I have to study that, but these other coaches can watch it call it just like that um but that's that's not my strength and fortunately i i can i can go and hit up that coach and say hey you know what do we think so yeah uh yeah well, what do you think right i'm gonna i'm gonna like comment on that and like take let's rewind back to 2019 lima pan american games because while I think it's important, like, this is just a personal thing. I'm talking selfishly at this point, but like seeing, you know, I, I, I like to feel, I, I put it that way. I, I don't know if this is going to like the message is going to convey over just audio right now, but I like to feel what the athlete's going to do, you know, and like have an idea of like, okay, this person in the corner is going to throw a front leg round kick every single time. Right. I still don't believe that <laughs> even though I have it 10 out of 10 times until <laughs> I'm in front of that person and it happens and like, I'll, I'll remember it, but I, I like to feel and see what's happening in front. And that's just, that's just how I am. I, I, you know, I like a general vague plan and then let's run it, you know, and then whatever happens happens, but putting into action of like what you're saying works is like, is why I'm going to rewind it back to last year in the pandemic games is because we were in warm up room and I was helping Tom warm up and Man, you guys pointed out exact like, hey, he does this in this moment. He does this in this moment. And Coach Stratus was back there. You were back there. And I was just kind of like, man, this is like uber specific. Like this is extremely specific. And I, I, I think Tom scored on three exchanges in particular. And all three of those were exact situations of what happened in the staging room, right? And what you guys called out. And I was like, I was like, man, <laughs> just goes to show, right? Between the different puzzle pieces all coming together to make the masterpiece in that moment. And that's all we needed to do in order to secure the victory at that point. You know, like yeah. it doesn't need to be some crazy eight point spread, Matt. You know, you just take a, take advantage of those 
minuscule moments that you find and boom, the win happens, you know? So I, I just go into what you're saying and just essentially, I admire that. But I'll say that, that that's a thing, Kim, that is, and, and you're there where it's, it's, it's more like master gameplay because we did that before when, when Tom or some of the other athletes weren't quite ready and what became, they got hyper-focused. So while they're waiting for that, you know, left leg Mawashi to the head that I told them was going to happen, they get a hook kick to the other side, you know, right, right, right. thinking here, uh, it has to be more like, more like what a quarterback would be where you, you, you call a play, but there's some decision-making out there, right? We're just, we're just giving you generalization and you have enough experience and skill to handle the changes in the plan. Um, and that's, that's really where I think high level game plays at where you can say, okay, here's some ideas. Here's the idea we want to get to. Um, but you have the tools to make it happen. You're the, you're the quarterback. Uh, so, and, and yeah, I think um, a good team where you have all the components together can, can do that. For sure. And like, we've covered like the whole spectrum, essentially like high level functioning, but I want to, I want to back it up just a little bit now and like ask you, how would you take that and break some of these concepts down, whether it's from the get to know basis, right? The communication or even match play and, and how you're programming for an athlete to compete. How would you break that down for like, let's say even the junior team. And then I'll ask you another step of like just your intermediate advanced or whatever kid mm. that's coming on. Yeah. You know, I, I wrote an article or, uh, and did an interview with uh, USA karate's uh, magazine and I talked about this a little bit in saying that um, these guys that are at home right now studying at home, well, what do you do for people that are studying at home and don't have a partner? Uh, and I literally said, you, this should be where you're working those skills and conditioning and then doing video analysis and not of just yourself. But the first thing I would say, if you really want to start getting into strategies is figure out what your stats are. You might think you know your stats. Number one scoring technique that you throw, truly, what is it, right? Uh, where do you score it to? Are you in the corner or are you mid-match? Where do you do these things? And make a tick mark. It's not that hard. Just just mark it so that you know where you're at and, and what your real numbers are. Because some people say, oh, I, I like to be a defensive player. Although they've never scored on defense or they score twice as much on offense. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> Or, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm slow. Well, that's crazy because your number one scoring technique is an offensive jab that is lightning fast, you know. So I would say get get the real data, get the real data, and then make your plans off of that. Uh, and I would I would say usually that's for adults. Uh, juniors, it's a little scary because uh, juniors watch videos as fans. They'll watch something and be like, oh, that guy's so cool. And then they grandize them in their head. And then they face them and they've already defeated themselves where you got to watch it as, as a, like I'm saying, like a coach would watch a football game. Um, so those would be the first places. Uh, and, and if you are advanced or elite, stop spending so much time on your physical conditioning. Everybody, everybody you're going to be fighting at the world championships as a six pack, uh, you know, so <laughs> That should, that should be fundamental. Uh, it doesn't impress me. It, what impresses me is if you can have some knowledge of yourself as a fighter, um, have some strategies there. So, yeah. And, and 
you just mentioned having knowledge of yourself as a fighter. I think that brings in a separate theme because I, I think a lot of, I think knowing yourself as an individual has a big part in knowing who you are as a fighter. And I, this is, well, this is like both sports psych studies and individual feeling coming in here at the same time, but like understanding, like, I, I think a lot of junior athletes don't really know who they are yet, right? They're still figuring out what their, you know, their individual identities on all these things, but how do you take, you know, like you, you mentioned figuring out who you are as a fighter. How would you, how would you boost that for a junior athlete? You know, because they do watch things as fans, right? Do you, do they watch videos of all the top name, you know, Tom Scott's of the world, or do, are they, are they supposed to look at their fighters and who they're fighting and try and look at review their old stuff and, or a blend of the, you know, there's, there's just a whole bunch there into creating who their individual person is. And then through that figuring out, okay, these points are good. These things are good. Yeah. It's really, if you do the looks right and you say, okay, juniors, it's no, there's no real point studying your opponents. If you ask me, this is my opinion, because the junior category rotates so often and it's so hit or miss. Um, so what you really should be studying is like what you said yourself. Um, and if we look at matches and, and I've done this, I've gone back with, with high caliber athletes and looked at matches that they won and that they lost and, and we're cutting out all the excuses of all oh, the referee didn't give me this or what, what could you have done to have won or lost that match differently? So I think, uh, I, I think even some of the best matches were matches that we lost uh, because we learned so much out of them or we really accomplished something cool that you can take into another match. Um, so for juniors, it's hard, I think, because the, the field changes so much, your competition changes so much, you should really just focus on what you're doing. I would really say... Uh, really be careful who you watch videos with you know they did this study um cam where with law enforcement where they watched so many videos of cops dying when the dash cam first came out that they cops used to use them as training tools all the time they'd watch these dash cams well it was always of policemen getting shot or or beat up on the roadside so they immediately thought that they were going to die or whatever when they get shot the rate of survival of officers actually went down by this so they studied that the, the video is so powerful of a training tool, it can, uh, it can really impact the way you think. So they had to start mixing in videos of officers surviving. They had to start mixing in videos of officers winning the battle. Same thing when you're watching videos uh, of karate training. If all you do is watch your mistakes or hear you know, your coach or your parents make excuses as to why you didn't win, you're, you're not going to get better at it. It's going to be very powerful. You're going to see that same scenario in your head and you're going to see a failure. Um, the next time it happens, you need to watch videos of you being successful and visualize it um, after you see a video of you doing it wrong. So it's, it's a powerful tool. And unfortunately, I think a lot of parents when they're coaching their juniors use it wrong. Uh, but you know, that's what coaches are for. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And just to aid to that fact, it's there's like studies on studies to show. And like, and I mean, just going into my last semester of my sports psych degree, like there's studies on studies to show that imagery paired with positive reinforcement through video is like one of the most powerful coaching tools ever, oh, yeah. ever. Like, like 
you, you talk about the simple ones where it's like people, the free throws, the free throw experiment, right? There's a people in you know, a group that's supposed to shoot free throws for 10 free throws a day for a week. And the other group just visualizes them making 10 free throws every day. And the numbers are pretty comparable to what they are after not even practicing actually the physical motion of throwing. That's yeah, crazy. It's, it's, it's nuts. That's and actually, that's not going to, that's going to segue into like, what uh, have you been focusing on most for your athletes in this time, you know, where we aren't able to really train in the big groups with the exception of the, the high caliber training camps that you guys had. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it is a little different for us in that we, um, you know, I heard, I heard Tom talk about training the other day um, with you on your podcast with him. And, and we did, we did take a break in the beginning. There was a time where it was just, wow, I'm, I'm so glad we're not traveling every month. Um, and we get a minute to heal and catch up. And, and of course the world was in a little bit of chaos. So everybody was kind of taking a minute to take a break. And so, but as soon as that worked itself out to where we realized we weren't going to be able to take too much longer off, um, we were able to get a little bit of a bubble going and the athletes really had to commit to each other. I mean, Brian and Brian and, and Tom, those guys who are hoping to go to the Olympic qualifier, they, they really had to commit to, Hey, if I'm not feeling well, I'm not coming. If I did something risky, I'm not coming. You know, they committed to each other. So we were able to keep them training for the most part. Um, you know, we took, we took breaks where we needed. Uh, but so one of the things that we've been doing mostly is um, this has been a great time for us to scout great time for us to watch videos uh keeping just a little bit of polish because that's one of the things that's been really hard here you can't hype people up too much just look at your own training i'm sure you're not going a hundred percent because and you're you actually said this i think in your podcast with a uh, coach akira you or maybe it was with tom you said uh yeah you had you had your strength and conditioning coach had to back you off and say dude enough you know and you're like no no i gotta I got come one and he was like no no back off yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> if the coach keeps the gas mashed to the ground, the athlete, you guys are, you're, you're just um, beasts, right? You, you want to fight, you want to perform. And if we keep hanging the carrot out there and you never get to it, it, it wears down. So it's best for us to say, just slow down, keep some polish. And then when we have a goal in sight. So now that we have goals in sight, you know, we're back to it. I'll, I'll run a practice again tonight and we'll practice before Christmas and then we'll be back the weekend after Christmas. So we don't have sure. all the time off. So. Yeah. And that's, I, and that goes to, I, I, again, relating back to what Tom and I talked about, the karate is a 12 month sport. It does not, yeah. it does not back off. So finding times to rest and, and, and finding breaks, especially within the K one slash national slash individual you know dojo tournament schedule is is very difficult you know to find those times to back off you know what what do you what do you do specific as a coach what do you what do you how do you program rest time uh yeah i'm, I'm probably not the best at it honestly uh thank goodness for coach stratus uh because <laughs> um i i do prioritize the events based on where and of course with the olympics it's been pretty much anything that was olympic was priority so if 
if we could, mm-hmm. and if that meant that we had a couple of Olympic things we had to do back to back, you know, there was a photo shoot, there was a couple of things like that, that maybe, oh, you should sit that out and take the weekend. No, because you don't know. I mean, and we, we don't know. The Olympics may only be once, right, for us. So, no, you, you're going to go do everything that is Olympic, uh, and then we can skip something else. Uh, so I would say programming and rest is you really have to pay attention to the athlete. Sometimes the athlete doesn't want it when you know they should get it. Sometimes the athlete – fortunately, it's not true for you guys generally. The, the top-tier guys, generally you don't have to say, hey, you should get back to work. Um, maybe after a break or after a long stint, you have to remind them, Hey, get back to work, but very, very rarely should I have to do that. So, uh, but it's usually saying, Hey, go ahead and take this weekend off, go ahead and do that. And I try and do that quite a bit. Um, do you, do you do that for individual athletes by chance or, um, like, cause like, I mean, you just, you see the, you see the room, you know, scouting the room and like, oh, this person is dragging. Like, um, do, if they're if, short, if they're getting snotty with each other in practice, yeah, I don't have a problem saying, yeah, why don't you, you know, you take the weekend off because it's not going to help. All they're going to do is dig further into the hole. It's very rare to just work it out, uh, you know, and say, oh, okay. And when with, with Tom in particular, the, the problem there is generally it's it needs a good night's sleep easily. Oh, he's either food or sleep. And so, Hey, why don't you take uh, the night off, go get some sleep, you know, get a good night's sleep. And of course next day or, or the next practice uh, is completely different. So. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to extend this now a little bit and you could honestly have the same answer for this, but then looking at someone like, for example, Tom, and I relate to this too, with having, you know, like I'm still in school now I'm teaching essentially full time and then trying to manage that, that training schedule, right. The fatigue will build up very quickly over the course of the week. You know, what do you, oh, yeah. yeah. How would, how would you, and I mean, of course yourself too, running the two full time shows, you know, how, how would you, how do you approach that? Well, you left off a big piece there that you'll probably get in trouble for. There's a woman in there, isn't yes. there? Yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, put that as uh, <laughs> put that as part of the life, the life too, the life, the life matters, yeah. family, girlfriend, yes, all of that. Yeah, so uh, Brian Ur just recently got himself a uh, a girl, and it's been, you know, that's it. That's the challenges is how to how to manage those social lives, the the work life. But, you know, I'll say it's true of anybody, and, and that's when, when my athletes start complaining about that, I, that's where I kind of remind them you're not that special of, uh, that's not very unique to you. I mean, everybody has work, personal life, uh, whether it's, man, I really wanted to sit in a hot tub last night and I didn't get to because there's always conflicting interests or wants, and so... I think a little bit of, of reminder and, and big word with me is perspective. You guys, you know, you're such talented people and, and you, I'm not saying it comes easy at all, but it, if you just constantly keep appreciating that, my gosh, you guys get to play your sport at the highest level. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, so few people get to do that. And, and that's honestly, you know, I get to coach at the highest level and I get to, I get to, you know, 
do that. And that's the way I think of it. I never, oh, I have to go to practice. I get to go to practice, you know, oh, I got to come up with something for this. No, I, I get to do something like that. And it's, it's really fun to do. And it's a privilege and an honor to do. And I think that if the athletes remember that, uh, you know, and I, I've encouraged some of them, hey, why don't you wear, you know, USA Today or, you know, something that will remind you of a bigger thing, you know, uh, that you are, you aren't just Cameron today, you are the number one minus 84 in the country, and you need to look like it and feel like it and train like it. And it's just those little buttons. You guys are so patriotic. It's just a matter of pushing the right buttons and you know, yeah, and all that other stuff. Of course, the girls don't like it because all it takes is your coach pushing buttons. And sorry, honey, I got practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> I, I hear that. But yeah, I, I, if I'm honest, I think that's um, personally a challenge point because um, my coaches slash parents, they – they, it's almost an expectation that I can do that on my own sometimes, mm. you know, and, and this is just me opening up at this point, but having the ability to catch yourself in any given moment, right? 24 seven, and then be like, Hey, I need to pick it up. I need to pull it back. I need to do this and that. It's just, I mean, it's part of it, but at the same time, it's, it's definitely a challenge, right? So. You know what I would suggest to you, Cam, is tell that woman of yours or, uh, or your best friend, Hey, Every now and then, just kick me in the ass and tell me, hey, you you know who you are? And have them remind you just a little bit of just how important you are to your sport, just every now and then, and and it'll help. Uh, give them permission to do that. A lot of times they think it's corny, right? That, you know, I remember specifically talking to Tom's wife, Morgan, you know, uh, and, and, and as soon as she got permission, to slap her husband on the ass and say, go get him, tiger. That was all she needed, right? She wanted to be the cheerleader in there. She just didn't know if that was okay. So tell him, tell yeah. him, Hey, I need you every now and then to just say, Cam, you are the man and you need to act like it and go work out and do it. Um, because yeah, it, it's not fair you know, with your parents being your, your primary coaches as well, you need, you know, parents kind of set that expectation of, oh, you got to figure it out. But you, everybody needs that guy to remind them just how important they are to their sport and to their team. And, and, you know, it, it'll motivate you to train for yeah, sure. I, I think I might need that like a three, four times a week type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't be too. <laughs> it's just a needy individual at that point. <laughs> Sometimes, you know what you should do? You should uh, set up maybe your wardrobe or whatever. I know you're a very organized person in that regard. So, you know, maybe have your USA attire that you're going to wear on Wednesdays. And on that day, when you put that shirt on, you go, yeah. And you remind yourself a little bit, just some cues. Just it'll help you remember. Well, I'm going to circle this back because I, I not only am I going to take these, I'm going to do these things, but at the same <laughs> time, like, I think that goes back to like what, I, what we talked about a little bit earlier is like finding your own athlete identity, you know, and like, what, what are your triggers? What are your things? What are those things that you can control on a consistent basis? Right. And then having that relationship with your coach to take that to the next level, as far as your trust, your communication and all these things kind of coming together. So we went full circle right there. Whoa, you are a master <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, you know, I, I appreciate you coming uh, and spending so much time with me today. This was a blast. And uh, 
Coach, uh, I look forward to seeing you soon, you know, and, and hopefully get these events going again. And, and hopefully we start kicking some ass all over and back to our usual grind. Yeah, I know it's been hard for you guys. Uh, I mean, like I said, just stallions pacing in the stable waiting to get to work. Uh, so it's you know, hopefully with the way things are looking, things will be better soon and we'll be able to get back to training. I know there'll be some camps in the in the spring, hopefully, that people can attend and stuff like that. We've got to have you guys. Yeah. Everybody has to come to Colorado, though. That's the thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, nah, we're all good. Well, thank you again. Thanks for, you know, taking the time and being on another episode. I really appreciate it. And, and I admire the work and effort that you always put into not only myself, but the whole, the whole U.S. team. So thank you for doing all that. My pleasure. My pleasure. Seriously. All right. Well, cool. Is there anything else you want to leave any, any um, listeners off with? Ooh, wow. Talk about pressure. No, yeah, pressure. I got no closing remarks. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way the mic drop. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't, uh, just, like I said, if you want to play the top of your game, you got to be more than just strong and you got to be have more than just a good spinning hook kick or something like that. You, you really do need to have a plan on how to approach the ring and all the strategies and tactics that go inside of it. So be deeper, be deep, be send, send it. it. That's it. <laughs> send it <laughs> that's our that's our that's our go-to yeah. cue right there when in doubt whenever no tactics or anything are working coach is send it. Send it. we go <laughs> and it's all good awesome. all right thank you coach i really You're appreciate welcome. it talk to you later Thank you everyone so much for listening to another episode of Believe in the Punch. Make sure to like, subscribe, share, do whatever you need to do to get this podcast out there. I really appreciate everybody's support. And as always, remember to keep your hands up and stay stoked. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.